Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Could your healthy lifestyle actually be making you tired? The answer is yes. As humans, we absorb a lot of misinformation about healthy diet and behavior, and endurance athletes are especially vulnerable because we really do need excellent nutrition in order to reach our goals. But a lot of the conventional wisdom about healthy diet is actually wrong. And let's be honest, how healthy do we actually need to be anyway to reach our goals? So in today's podcast episode, we'll talk about five ways your healthy lifestyle might be wearing you out and how you can correct these missteps. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I am good. I'm actually still kind of going through my recovery phase after my big 50K, which was about two weeks ago. Actually, when you're hearing this, it's it's longer, but I always record these about a week ahead of time. But yeah, so it's been really nice just to kind of relax. Um, I didn't run at all for the first week or really do much exercise. And then the second week, just kind of easing back in, doing some easy things. Um, Exception to that, on Saturday, my friend and I hiked Mount Yale, which is a 14er in Colorado. And we chose it because we both were kind of in a place where we didn't want to do something super hard. And we're like, oh, that's an easy 14er. And we were reminded on this hike that there's really no such thing. And I had not been to altitude for a long time. I was like surprised how much I was gasping. How uncomfortable it feels sometimes. So that was kind of a wake up call for me. And then we summited, we had a great time, we came back down. And then After a few hours in the car driving home, I actually realized that one of my knees was swelling up. So that's something else I've been dealing with. I think I have like a a mild sprain in my left knee, which is the one that always is just a little bit prone to that. And this is one area where I'm so proud of myself. I see a lot of growth because I think in if this had happened a couple of years ago, I would have been like freaking out. I would have been like, oh my gosh, call the doctor, call the PT, ice it, like 
put it up against the wall. And then the other part of me wants to go for a run and just prove to myself that there's nothing really wrong with it, right? So so this time around, I just felt like great, I don't know what's the word, I, like empathy for the knee. I'm like, oh, poor little thing. You've been like working so hard. And it was almost like, you know, whenever your your significant other, your uh, romantic partner is ill or injured and you're just like, oh, poor little boo, let me take care of you and bring you like muffins in bed or whatever. That's how I kind of feel towards my knee <laughs> at this juncture. I'm like, oh, you poor thing. I'm going to be really good to you. I know you've been working hard and that's actually been working well. It's, it's improved quite a bit. I could probably run today. I'm going to give it one more day, just a, just a little bit of insurance, extra healing. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on around here. So let's dive into the topic for today. This is all about how healthy lifestyle can make you tired. And this was inspired by a CNN article I saw on my phone while I was traveling this weekend. And it was kind of clickbait, right? Like right away, I saw the headline, is your healthy lifestyle like making you tired? And I'm like laughing and clicking on it. I'm like, oh, this is such a good, a good concept for an article. But I also think there's so much truth to this idea that a lot of the, the behaviors that we think are healthy maybe are also based in misinformation that can make us tired, hold us back, like degrade our quality of life and actually harm us. So they shared five in the article, and I'm going to share five. They're not the exact same five today that I think really from an endurance athlete's point of view, we run up against a lot. And these are diet and behavior myths that can really hurt our performance. But the good news is there's also ways to reverse these. So why are endurance athletes so prone to this? I think that there's so much pressure in general in society, right? To have a perfect diet, perfect exercise habits. I think in certain parts of the country, this is more true than others. But in general, we, we all have some judgments, right? When we see someone that's not eating the way we think they should or exercising the way we think they should. And this is true for ourselves as well. We judge ourselves. And this whole idea of being healthy, being such an important thing is especially true for endurance athletes because to some degree for us, it's true, right? We need to be on a different level. We can literally injure ourselves and make ourselves sick by not eating well. On the other hand, eating well is not the same as eating perfect. And sometimes I think we get way too rigid about our diets and this can make us susceptible to misinformation about diet. You probably know athletes who jump from fad to fad. You probably know athletes who cling to one fad or rigid diet for dear life. You know, maybe your friend Susie is super paleo. She hasn't eaten a cracker in seven years. And to her, and maybe to many of her peers, this means being healthy. But if you think about it, she's missing out on some healthy foods, things like legumes, things like whole grains that could probably improve her performance. So what are the common mistakes that endurance athletes can make that they think are healthy, but might be making them tired or hurting performance? Let's share five of those right now. So the first one is underfueling. And I talked a little bit about underfueling in the previous episode on overtraining. And let's just dive a little bit deeper into that, what it looks like, some of the things that can go wrong. So first of all, why do endurance athletes underfuel? And Probably as I'm asking that question, you're going, it's obvious. There's like pressure everywhere. Every magazine article, every book, everything is about being lean, right? About being leaner so you can be faster, so you can carry more weight on your back as a mountaineer. You can run faster as a runner. And I think 
women especially get a double dose of this because not only do we have pressure to be lean in our sport, we have a lot of pressure from society to be lean. We really get a lot of messages that our worth as humans is tied up in our physical attractiveness and in our culture. That means being super, super skinny, super lean, right? So why is this such a dangerous, insidious idea for endurance athletes? Probably the number one reason is because underfueling is a major component of what we call overtraining. Overtraining syndrome is simply when your rest and recovery are out of balance and it starts causing damage to your performance and actually can damage your body. And where does food come into that? It really comes into the recovery part. Whenever we're not properly fueled, we can't really rebuild our muscles, our organs, all the things that are under a lot of strain during training. And it's also true during the performance part, during the workout part. If we're not fueling ourselves enough to get through that workout, then we start to pull fuel from parts of our body that aren't ideal. Like maybe we're pulling protein from our muscles because there's not enough carbohydrate to fuel a long endurance workout. So the consequences of this People often feel very tired, very fatigued. They're more prone to injury. Mood may be disturbed, maybe feeling depressed or irritable. And in extreme cases, this can lead to metabolic disturbances. Probably the most notable one, women might stop menstruating. And another thing that can happen that always surprises people, but is completely true. If you are underfueling as an endurance athlete, it tends to make you gain weight or not able to lose weight. And that's because you're sending the message to your body by not eating enough that it's in danger. It's going to starve. So how does it defend against that? It slows down your metabolism and it also catabolizes fuel from unhealthy sources like your muscles. This sounds terrible, right? We don't want to be here. But the thing is that there's such a misunderstanding. And even for athletes, I think that have been at this a long time sometimes of how much fuel it actually takes to feel a mountaineering trip, to feel a ultra marathon, and even to feel some of the longer training sessions and to feel also daily training sessions where you're maybe working out five or six days a week. So whenever I sit down with clients and I, I'm not a dietitian, so I can't calculate it for them, but I'll often give them some tools to kind of get in the ballpark to see approximately what they should be eating. I'll share a few of those in just a moment. Um, how many calories a day, kind of how you might break down as far as macros. They look at those numbers and freak out. They're like, there's no way I could eat that many calories. They so underestimate like what is actually needed in order to fuel themselves. So you can see why underfueling becomes such a common problem. So if you're kind of in that boat, here's the thing to remember. Not only as an endurance athlete, you get to fuel a lot of activity. If you've been training for a while, you actually have more muscle mass. And that means you need to eat more fuel than a non-athlete of the same weight. So little old me, I'm like five foot one and 125 pounds. And when I'm at peak training, like 2,500 calories a day. And it's it's kind of funny. I've, I've been home in Ohio a lot recently, and my extended family looks at me like I'm insane because I'm just always eating something. They're like goggle-eyed. <laughs> and once in a while, I even get someone that suggests I must like throw it up or be bulimic. They're like, a human cannot eat that much and be like in shape and not gain weight. And I, I say this just to illustrate how little most lay people and even most amateur athletes know about nutrition and the nutritional needs of the body. 
So how do we solve this? I think really one of the best practices that we can adapt as athletes is intuitive eating and easier said than done, right? Intuitive eating is pretty complicated, but basically it involves just being really aware of our body's hunger signals, our fullness signals, eating when we're hungry, stopping when we're full. It's something that's very simple, but really can be kind of tough to put into practice. So I have a whole episode on the podcast about intuitive eating I'll link to. It's also a great thing to work if you have a sports dietitian or even if you just wanted to get a couple appointments with someone just to consult, this might be a great thing to work on. It's definitely probably better than actually counting calories in order for us to make sure we're getting the right amount of fuel on every day. Because obviously we don't work out the same on every day, right? You got the long workouts, the short workouts, the speed workouts, it changes up. So intuitive eating, definitely the way to go. Number two, healthy lifestyle mistake people make that makes them tired, not eating enough carbs. So I don't know about where you live, but here in the United States where I am, carbs are demonized. <laughs> people are really afraid of them. Um, lay people really believe that eating carbs will cause weight gain, that it'll cause diabetes. A lot of amateur athletes believe this as well. And as there often is some truth to this, if you're eating a lot of carbs and your entire carb intake is like Twinkies and Ho-Hos, yeah, it's probably not going to be like very healthy for you. You might get some diabetes in the long run. However, the important thing to remember is all humans benefit from healthy carbs, things in the form of fruits, in the form of whole grains. Our brain, it pretty much runs on carbs. It can't really use other sources of fuel. So you might notice like if you haven't had a lot of carbs or if you tried to go on a low-carb diet, one of the most common complaints, it's brain fog. That That's why that is. And then when we think about athletes, research shows that endurance athletes in training probably need at least seven grams of carbs per kilo of body fat for optimal performance. They may even benefit from more depending on the individual. I've talked in the last podcast about the endurance diet book by Matt Fitzgerald. And there's an excellent chapter in that book about eating a carb-centered diet. That's when Matt Fitzgerald did his research and looked at what elite endurance athletes, how they eat. Eating a carb-centered diet was one thing that was common just about to athletes in all sports and just about everywhere in the world. And he used Kenyans as an example of just how this practice can be so beneficial. And he actually interviewed Kenyan exercise scientists and coaches who in that culture, people naturally eat a rich diet of healthy carbs. And it's probably no coincidence, given that, that Kenya is home to the best distance runners in the world, particularly at the marathon distance for both men and women. And their runners eat a much higher carb diet. It's almost, I think, like not twice as much, but getting up there as an American runner in the same event. So there's actually a part of the book I love where Matt Fitzgerald is interviewing Kenyan exercise scientists and coaches and just hearing them talk about nutrition and the importance of carbs, what the Kenyan marathoners eat in training. And there's at some point in all these interviews, he brings up keto. He's like, what about low carb diets for athletes? He's like, people in the US, they're really into this. What, what would you say if someone came to you and was like, hey, you should put your athletes on a low carb diet? And they invariably have a reaction of hilarity. They're like, this is funny and also can be just completely discounted. I mean, look at our our Kenyan runners. Like, they don't need no keto. <laughs> They're like smashing records all over the world on this healthy high-carb diet. So 
Eating enough carbs, really, really important, especially for athletes. Number three way that your healthy lifestyle might be making you tired, not eating enough or not eating complete protein. So recently I spent some time on a trip with someone who explained to me in great depth why I should be eating vegan as an athlete. And by the way, could I just rant for a moment? If you're someone that likes to go around telling other people how wonderful your diet is and how they should try it, please stop. Can we all agree that other people's diets are no one else's business? And there's an awesome Instagram post by dietitian Anna Sweeney where she talks about how damaging this can be and why. And so I'll link to it in the show notes. It's worth a read all by itself. But anyhow, being protein deficient is not something that's limited to vegan diets or vegetarian diets. But with all the emphasis on plant-based diet, especially for athletes right now, I think it's something that's important to be aware of. So here's what you need to know about protein and what you need to be careful of. Not all protein is the same. We actually have about 20 different proteins. They're also called amino acids that make up our body. And about half of these you can synthesize from other molecules in food. But there are actually nine that you have to eat because you can't make them. So we call these the essential amino acids. So a food that is a complete protein contains all nine essential amino acids acids in most animal products, so meat, eggs, dairy, they're complete proteins. Soy is really the only plant-based source of complete protein. There are a couple things like quinoa that are pretty close to complete, but the thing to be aware of is that vegans can still get complete protein, but they have to eat certain combinations of foods. So you might see like in places where Like in cultures where the diet is very plant-based, people eat a lot of beans and rice as a staple. That's actually a complete protein. Another one that's kind of a favorite is taking peanut butter or nut butter and putting it on a whole grain. And you don't even necessarily have to eat all the proteins in the same sitting in order to get complete proteins within your body. You just need to be mindful about making sure that you're eating a variety of foods, a variety of protein sources, and that they're healthy. So once again, if you are thinking about going super plant-based, whether that's vegetarian, vegan, also a good time to consult a sports dietitian, especially if this is stuff that's new to you, that you might benefit from some education around it. So number four way, healthy lifestyle can make us tired. Let's talk about exercising too much. (laughs) And this goes hand in hand with underfeeling to cause the overtraining syndrome I was talking about earlier. And why does this happen? I think a lot of us, especially as endurance athletes, look at extra training as insurance. We say to ourselves, you know, if I just do a few extra miles, that will for sure be good enough. It will for sure be better than what I just did. And sometimes in endurance training, I think it's important to remember that less is more. A good rule of thumb is your training can never exceed your capacity to rest and recover. And your capacity to recover is impacted by a lot of factors, including your age, your stress level, your overall health. And if you think about it, elite athletes, they get to rest a lot between workouts because that's their job. But most of us are trying to juggle endurance training with work, with family, with trying to have a social life. So a good thing to figure out is kind of what's the minimum I can still do and succeed? And... This is, I think, a little bit easier for runners and trail runners because they run set distances, but it's also possible for mountaineers, for trekkers, for hikers to start to feel into this, especially as you get further along in your career, you have kind of a, a history under your belt of training for different trips, I think you can definitely get a feel for this. So for example, I know for me, if to do a hard 50K in the mountains, I need to work up to about 50 miles a week, but I don't need to do 50 mile weeks more than maybe two or three times in training. 
doing more than that, I mean, it's just maybe putting me at risk for overtraining, putting more strain on my muscles, bones, joints, and it's not necessarily going to give me a ton of benefit. I'm going to be able to reach my goal just with two or three of those 50-mile weeks. And it's kind of funny, Jason Coop, who's I talk about him all the time on this program because I, I think I actually have such a crush on him and I just love the way he coaches. But yeah, he, he actually figured out for his athletes that are ultra runners that really all they needed to complete a 50K was six hours a week of training for three weeks and then they needed a three-week taper. And that was actually enough to get them through the race to the finish line. And not to say they wouldn't benefit from more, but what, for those of us that are super time crunched and just thinking about how little we can do. That's Jason Coop's answer. Is a 50K a mountaineering trip? It's not. I would say it's probably equivalent to a moderate to hard mount. You know, I guess there's, for when I say hard mountaineering trip, there's Mount Everest and then there's like Mount Rainier. It's probably equivalent to like a guided trip up a Mount Rainier for sure. So there you go. Overtraining. And then number five way that your healthy lifestyle can be making you tired is just being too rigid about your health. So here's a mindset one for you. And what I want you to think about is to consider your emotions about diet, exercise, and healthy behavior. And the reason emotions are important is because like they start with thoughts, but they really like manifest and live in our bodies. So they might show up as muscle tension, hormone secretion, and other physiological changes. So for example, when we feel love and belonging, our body releases oxytocin. It's it's the love hormone, right? Feels good, definitely a positive one. But then when we feel threatened, we release cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And it actually having a lot of cortisol in our system over the long term, which those of us who are just chronically stressed from our modern environment, that's often the case, it has a lot of health effects and causes a lot of inflammation. So emotions. They actually affect our physiology. And I think that's so important to remember. So why does this matter? And how does this tie into to being too rigid about your lifestyle? I think the thing is, a lot of us have perfectionistic fantasies about health, diets, and exercise. And these fantasies tend to stress us out. We're just never meeting our own expectations. So we end up with lots of stress hormone and this wears us out. And we actually end up feeling less alive, having fewer positive emotions. And if you listen to my previous podcast on the endurance diet, on what the best endurance athletes in the world eat, almost all of them enjoy low quality foods in moderation because pleasure is important in life. And Matt Fitzgerald, the author, the quote that he said that I love is, I've never met an athlete who was unhappy with their diet, but happy with their training. You got to be really happy with both. So if you're going to last in this sport, I think the bottom line is you need to find a diet, you need to find a lifestyle, you need to find a training regimen that's going to fuel your goals, but without having undue restriction or causing you to feel deprived, without cutting into the other areas of your life too much, like love and belonging that make it worth living. So that's your homework for this week. I really just want you to think about what is enough And maybe if there are some parts of this perfectionist fantasy about your health and all the things that you need to be doing that you could let go. So I don't know, like I'll share an example. I feel like this is a risky one. People always like freak out when I say this. 
but I mean, I'm not the only one that does this. So for the longest time, as a coach, as a trainer, every single thing you learn, you just get beaten over the head with how important strength training is and how it's just crucial to your health, especially as a woman, like all your athletes need to lift, even endurance athletes. So when I really decided to step up my ultra game, I stopped lifting. I haven't done strength training in like a year. (laughs) And it's not to say that that's what you should do or because strength training isn't going to have benefits. It would have benefits for me if I would do it. But the benefits in my case, I decided maybe outweigh A, having more time to run, which in my very specific sport would benefit me more. And B, I just wanted a little bit more balance. Like, Something had to give. I was training so much. And that's just kind of the nature of ultra marathon, right? It's just just a lot, a lot, a lot of time on your feet. And I was doing, I was reading. And I was for about a year before that thinking I wanted to stop lifting and was always told that I couldn't. And finally, after doing some more research, kind of reading what pros do, I did. And it's been great. Are there some costs to it? Almost certainly. And I might bring a little bit of it back after the last ultra marathon. I think I've learned some things, but yeah, like (laughs) something had to give and there you go. I, I didn't follow the perfect healthy lifestyle that everyone recommends and I'm still here. I'm still alive and actually just ran a really good 50K. So it can be done. So friends, that's the program for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Definitely. If you have questions, if you have show ideas, if you just want to say hi, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at misadventurepants. I also have a Facebook group, Mountaineers and Backpackers in Training. Links in the show notes if you want to find all these things. And yeah, until then, take care. I'll catch you here next week. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.